And I'm only going to read the first three verses. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. After I'm done, please remain standing so we can pray together. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. May God bless his word. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we want to lift before you uh, those that have serious needs in our church, Joanne Tomkowitz, Ethan Ollis, and even Pat Sanino, Father, a part of our extended church family. And uh, we would just ask you to tend to the needs and for healing in these folks. And there's more, Lord. I know there's so many more folks that are going through. We think of, uh, I think of Don Watkins. I lift him up, Father, and I pray for healing for these folks. Uh, miraculous healing. We pray that it would be evident in each situation uh, that, that your hand has been upon these people. For those that have had strokes, Lord, we ask that you would restore um, their speaking capabilities and just... Uh, Again, touch these bodies that we would, uh, each one of them would improve in such a way that we would have no other choice but not to credit the doctors, but to credit you. And we ask your blessing. Bless our entire service today. Help us to bring glory and honor to you. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord that we can tell Jesus anything. You know, it was not, when we were singing that, I was thinking so many of these hymns were written by people, Christians, long ago, many of them, but that went through trials that you and I could not even imagine. And uh, they, many of these were written from such depths, just like the book of Psalms. And when you read them, man, they just minister to you, especially when you're going through difficult times. How are you today? Good. Good to see everybody. I'd like you to take your Bibles. And I want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15 to start out. I know that wasn't our uh, reading. We're going to go to the Hebrews 12 passage eventually. But uh, today what I want to do is kind of continue the series, the two-part series we did uh, called A Slave Mentality. Uh, but tonight, this morning's a different title and a kind of a different concept, but it stems from what we were talking about. Uh, and, and I read two in the beginning of this series on slave mentality, I read a quote uh, that was really promoting a uh, financial piece, a financial seminar that is church-wide. Um, and the, the, Dave Ramsey was introducing it and he was using some of the things. I shared that quote because it just opened my eyes. Here's what he was doing. He was relating how frustrated he was at one point with Christians and their lack of giving, but then he understood. And when he went back and looked at the people of Israel that were coming out of bondage, 400 plus, 430 years of bondage, and they come out into the, they're going heading to the promised land, and they still had a slave's mentality. And so, you know, when you read the stories, the story in Numbers chapter 13 about the 12 spies going in, 
and only Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. And the other ten uh, were just complaining about all the problems and they got everybody else worried about it and everyone just plunged into discouragement and they never went in the promised land for 40 years. I mean, just because of their lack of faith. And, um, and he said, you know, I used to think that that's the way people were. I realize now that it's hard for a slave to not have a slave's mentality. And he was relating that to people that get into financial bondage. The borrower is slave or servant to the lender. And that's true. And uh, in fact, that, that seminar is called Momentum. And that's what got me thinking because uh, I've heard so many stories of people that were buried financially and in such debt. I remember one, one guy, I don't have it right in front of me, but this guy was like tens of thousands of dollars into debt. And, and that, you know how that just, it has a snowball effect. That's called momentum, but not in the right way. And there, the stories are so many of these people that first they have to get inspired to want to get out of debt. You know, if you're, if you're, a, if you're under financial bondage and you're, you've got credit, and I can relate to this. Yeah, I just got out of debt when we were newly married. And the only reason we were in debt when I was married was me. And then, so we finally got out of debt, thanks to my wife. And then I got us into debt again. And I remember the first time I got us out of debt, I'm like, I am never doing that again. I am never. And, and then all of a sudden, we, built, we bought a home, bought a mobile home in Ephrata. We decided that we wanted central air, and we wanted a huge deck on the back. And they cost a lot of money. And we had this thing called a plastic thing that was magical, that you could go to Wick's Lumber and just... And, and just Get as much wood as you need. And, and so we went on like a, a two-month spending spree, my fault, and we got right back into debt again. And that's, I'm like, what a stupid idiot. It is not fun being in debt. You know that, don't you? you know, it is not fun. And a lot of it, for me too, was self-inflicted. But I've heard so many stories through this, this financial thing where people, here's the one, this, this guy was $10,000 in debt, and he finally got motivated and inspired instead of just, woe is me. And he, he said, I am going to tackle this thing. And he ended up having a job, and then he got a side gig as a pizza delivery man. And in like two years, he was able to get out of two, tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And you hear stories like that, and you get inspired. But the key is, this is what we're talking about this morning. The key is, is a factor that can go in your favor, but it can also go against you. And it's called momentum. Now, the last two weeks when we did this slave mentality thing, we were looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, as you have yielded yourselves servants unto sin, so now yield yourselves to righteousness. And, And I didn't use the word, but I've been thinking about it more and more. You and I need to understand the value of momentum. We need to understand how it works. We need to understand what the many examples in scriptures, how momentum can be our friend. It can also be our enemy. But momentum, and I am not going to wax eloquent on this, but momentum is, is, is a concept in physics. And I didn't see your eyes gloss over but as soon as I said the word physics, my eyes started glossing over. 
you know. Um, so we're not going to talk about that in depth, but momentum is a, is a real thing. In fact, you know, technically, to find an object's momentum, you multiply its mass by its velocity. Okay? I have no idea what I just said, but I know that's true. I know there's a scientific principle there, and I know that it is true in all facets of life. You say, well, I don't believe in momentum. Next time you're on a plane and you're taking off and you're, you're building up speed and you're getting ready for that intense time where, we get white knuck- where I get white knuckles and all of a sudden the captain gets on the intercom. He says, folks, I'm sorry to let you know that we do not have enough momentum to take off, but it's okay because we're going to try and take off anyway. You say, well, it doesn't matter because I don't believe in momentum. So it really doesn't matter. Of course it's going to matter. Momentum plays a part of every aspect in our lives. And we're going to see, you know, what the, the, the term momentum isn't found in the Scripture. Actually, it's a Latin word. Uh, interesting little study. It's a Latin word which simply means moving power. Isn't that interesting? Moving power. Momentum generally means this. It means increasing forward Motion. That's what it means. Now, obviously, there's a lot of scriptures that communicate that idea that you and I as Christians need to keep moving forward. You look up the word walk or run the race in the scriptures. It relates to our Christian walk. And we all want to be moving forward in our Christian walk. But here's, the, here's what, when we look at the last two weeks, Romans 6, if you've ever been defeated, and we're going to look at Hebrews 12, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. The same way, if you've ever struggled because the momentum of sin is bowling you over, then you've had an experience of momentum. And in the same way, according to Romans 6, in the same way, if we can get momentum turned around and going for righteousness, it works the same way. Of course, now the challenge is going from that negative momentum against us to that forward momentum. So maybe today there's something where you've just been so discouraged because you can't seem to make progress on whatever it is the Lord's dealing with you about. And you're discouraged. And you've, so, you've got that slave mentality. You're so used to defeat and being in bondage. Maybe it's financially. Or maybe it's something else. And you're, it's hard for you to not think like someone that's in bondage. But what we want to do... So we want to get the momentum going forward for righteousness. And it works the same way. You remember when you first got saved? This has been my experience and many people. When they first get saved, they are on fire for God. I mean, they're reading their Bible. They're going to church. It almost seems easy because momentum gets you going. And then somewhere along the line, that momentum stops. Happened in Revelation. The 
church in Ephesus lost their first love. It's a matter of momentum. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Did I tell you to turn there? No. Where did I tell you to turn? Oh, okay, I did. I thought some of you said no. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I want you to look at that verse. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Now, what's he? Therefore, he just got done expounding in 57 uh, verses the wonderful, glorious doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, he laid it out, 57 verses, about the importance, the implication, the power of the resurrection. And now in light of that, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, in light of the fact that Jesus died paid for our sins, was buried, and rose again. In light of that fact that He has risen from the dead and now become the first fruits, that we're going to heaven. He's given us victory. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable in position, is the idea. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's momentum, is it not? It's not getting discouraged. It's not getting sidelined. It's being steadfast in the Christian race. Unmovable from your course. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I'm going to share this again. I'll tell you what I used to think of this. When I first read verse 58. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I did not preach from this verse too often uh, when I was younger as a new Christian. And when I did, or a young pastor... When I did, I wouldn't read that first part. I would just quote, Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Because when I read this through devotions, I thought it was saying this, For as much as ye know. You, you, that phrase there, you see that? For as much as you know. I read into that text my preconceptions about that phrase. And I had used some, a, a phrase similar all the time. And it was never in in the context of positive assurance. It was always doubt. Hey, for as much as I know, for all I know, you know, for all I know, and I'm like, why? I I had no idea. Why would Paul put that? As if Paul was saying, hey, be be steadfast. Be unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For who knows? Our labor might not be in vain in the Lord. You You get it? It doesn't... I am not inspired with that. If Paul's saying, Pff, but he's not saying that. And I came to understand that it was my misunderstanding of this phrase. And what Paul was saying down through the ages has always been understood. This is an affirmative. For as much, and this is sometimes, you know, English changes. It's an old English phrase, which does not mean doubt. It means absolute positively assurance. You and I are guaranteed that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's what he's saying. That's momentum, isn't it? But are you experiencing that forward momentum for the Lord? Um, Again, momentum is, is generally used to mean increasing forward motion. We see momentum. We have seen momentum. In our Philadelphia sports lately, I know some of you don't like to talk sports. So just think about what you're going to have for dinner for the next minute. But we've seen two particular teams 
baseball and football. And of course, I'm going to include hockey, too, although they lost last night. But never mind <laughs> that we've seen momentum. We have seen underdogs. I mean, we have seen, we have seen what, what a team on fire, all of a sudden, everyone's inspired. In fact, uh, the first game of the Phillies, I heard talk radio, they, they were saying this, and again, if you do not like sports, you, you're going to label me carnal. But I probably spend more time in the Scriptures than you do. Okay, just, just my defense. Just my defense. Because I'm a pastor, I do that. I, I'm not... I'm not boasting. I'm trying to defend myself. Anyway, the first game that the Phillies won, I heard them, a guy say, you know what? Everybody in Philadelphia is, so, is just happy. The, the Wawa, everybody's nicer in the Wawa because there was this momentum, momentum of Phillies fans that were, they were riding the wave. I want to ride the wave of successful Christianity. I want to ride the wave of being on fire for God, witnessing, being what God wants me to be, overcoming sin, seeing God answer prayer. I want to be on that wave. And that's what God wants us to be on. We see in Scripture, momentum. When the people of Israel, we talked about them a little while earlier, that you know they, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But when they finally started entering into the promised land, and they started, you know, you remember, remember um, Jericho and they just it, it was like a big snowball that got bigger and bigger. The momentum carried them to where they seemed unstoppable. Remember when they went into Jericho and Rahab, the, the um, harlot? Rahab received the spies. And, and basically she, she said, everybody knows who you guys are and we are all afraid of you. I will do whatever it takes. There was momentum there. And that momentum carried them into the inhabiting of the promised land. How about when the church got started? What, what happened in, in the book of Acts? It says they, they turned the world upside down. Talk about momentum. The, the gospel spread. And everybody caught the, the fever as it were. Momentum. Which way is momentum going for you? Are you have you been building on past successes? Because this is what God wants. And you look at Romans 6, 15 to 23 again. That text there is that if you've felt momentum going against you in that you're constantly defeated and that just tends to be like a snowball that, that gets bigger and bigger in the same way, if you and I can just put the brakes on by God's Holy Spirit and begin to make right choices, momentum will go in our way. So, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. No, you know what I want you to do? Um, three, three points. We've got like uh, 25 minutes or so. I'm going to really go through this. Um, but we want to talk about, um, number one, momentum and the influence it has. Point one. Point two, momentum and the direction you are going. And then momentum and the obstacles that take place. So first let's talk about momentum and the influence it has. Again, momentum is forward, increasing forward motion. And that has to do with staying the course and plugging away, continuing. Run the race that is set before you. We just read in Hebrews chapter 12. 
And there's a term the Bible uses that really talks about the need to do this. We need to stand fast. Paul said um, in Philippians, he said, Therefore, my dearly, brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the Lord. Over and over again, the Bible tells us to stand fast. The idea is stay the course. Now, in, in Ephesians 4.14, Here's why we have to stand fast. Paul said that we henceforth be no more children um, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. See, staying the course, pressing on for God, means that you are able to fight against the the negative momentum, and and just stay faithful to the Lord. That's where God wants all of us to be. Isaiah chapter 40. You don't need to turn there. Many of you are familiar with this text. It is one that many people have on plaques in their house uh, where it talks about, um, well, it says in Ephesians 40 and verse 31, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. That's momentum, is it not? When you're able to go and in a sense ride that wave, mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary. Galatians 6.9 Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap If, what, we faint not. That's momentum. I want to remind you how important it is to, um, first of all, to get things going so the momentum is going the right way. And one of the biggest things has to do with who and I, you choose the influences in our lives. There will be people that will come alongside you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Remember what Psalm 1 says? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The people you allow in your life can influence you to and help you and be in, in, an inspiration to you to go on for God. But if you choose the wrong people, it'll go against that, won't it? Remember what the Bible says, evil communication, it's an old English word for associations, evil communication, evil associations corrupt good manners, good character. And so so I want to ask you something. The people you have put in your life, the people that you have admired, the people, are they helping to encourage you to go on for the Lord? Because that's what we need. We need people to come alongside of us that are going to help that forward momentum. Remember that quote from Spurgeon? Doubtfulness and discouragement is an epidemic. But this was true in Numbers 13 with the the ten spies giving the bad report. Doubtfulness and discouragement is an epidemic which soon spreads amongst the Lord's flock. One downcast believer makes 20 souls sad. And that's not scripture. He was not claiming that, you know, this is scientifically proven that one downcast person 
makes 20. Not 19, not 21. It makes 20 people sad. This man was a pastor of, of thousands and thousands of people and talked and walked with them on a regular basis for years. He knew the nature of man. And he was saying that it does not take but one person to hinder the momentum and hinder your walk with God. Is there someone like that in your life that really has not inspired you or encouraged you to press on for God? Get new people around you. The Bible says this, Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. So I want to ask you then, in light of that, what direction are you going? You're going with the momentum. I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Another great verse about um, just, just, again, forward, keeping moving forward for the Lord. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. The Bible says, keep, it's an old English word for the idea of guard, keep, protect. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of, the, out of it are the issues of life. That's verse 23. Now look at verse 25. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. See, here's how momentum works. And, and I want what I want to do, especially if you're discouraged in your Christian walk or, or your battle against a particular sin, I want to encourage you to understand this thing of momentum. And if you can realize how it works, it can become a powerful thing. And obviously it's with the help of the Holy Spirit. But... You need to understand, just as you are so discouraged because you keep falling, if you can understand that, and that has momentum. That's why people that fall tend to fall consistently, and, and it, it's a, like a snowball. In the same way, righteousness and choosing the right also has a snowball effect. You look at people that have got... Have, have got Great victory in their lives in certain areas. First of all, it inspires you, doesn't it? Like people getting out of debt. But it also, in your own life, has a momentum. And if you can understand that, you do not need to stay in the valley of despond. Or the, the, the slough of despond, I think is what it was worded in Pilgrim's Progress. You don't need to stay down there. But you do need to determine, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get the ball rolling in the opposite direction. Let thine eyes look right on. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove, remove that foot from evil. I want to give you an example of a great man of God that did that. Nehemiah. Remember Nehemiah was building the walls of Jerusalem? And he had all kinds of opposition. He had enemies from without he had enemies from within. He had naysayers. He had tormentors. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 19, um, there were three guys that were particular scorners. Remember what I said, Proverbs? Cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. 
Well, these were people that's presence was, was like right in their face. And it says in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 19, But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. And said, so what is this thing that you will do? Will you rebel against the king? Now, in the book of Nehemiah, we see this over and over again. Opposition, obstacle. In, in hindering them or attempting to hinder them from building the walls of Jerusalem. And there's a beautiful verse in Nehemiah that would be true for us. In one of those contexts of talking about the challenges, it says, but Nehemiah, or this actually this is David. No, I think it might be, it, there's something similar from, if I'm mistaking this quote from David, it is, there's another verse that said Nehemiah did virtually the same thing. Nehemiah, strengthened himself or encouraged himself in the Lord. The Lord became his strength. And you may need to do that today. Is there anything where you you really need encouragement? You really need to stop that negative momentum going against you. You've been making wrong choices. And right now you're feeling like, you know what? I'm never going to amount to anything in this area. You need momentum to go the right way. Let me give you an example for me as a pastor. Pastors have unique struggles. And i um, been a pastor now of, of this church for a couple years. And um, I was finding for many years, times have changed since I, I was ordained in the ministry in 1988. And things were different then than they are now. Really different. And I remember and I hear pastors, older pastors, and for, for a couple of years, for many years actually, I would take comfort. In fact, I started collecting quotes from old pastors who lamented how bad things have gotten because they felt my pain. And I, I, I have this large collection Again, of quotes from older men of God that were pastors long before I was. And uh, how they lament how hard things are. And then, not too long ago, I woke up and I said, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, I, I'm, I'm going back and I'm finding comfort in, you know, what... the what things used to be, how things have changed, and how hard it is, and I suddenly realized, wait a minute, that is not helping me. You know, it's one thing, okay, it's good to know that things have changed. But folks, we're not going to go back 30 years ago. We're not. And, And you know what? Today is not 1988 or 1990 or 1992. Things are different. So, here's what I realized. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of living in the past. Oh, the way things used to be. Oh, those were the good old days. And that was not helping me press on today. By the way, the devil does that. That's this whole idea of looking in the rearview mirror. I've been doing it a lot, not even realizing it. I'm like, wow, look at that. Look what's back there. Look what's crash. 
you know? Get your eyes out of the rear view mirror and press on. Because that'll stop your momentum. Is In fact, let's go to Hebrews 12 times, slipping quickly here. Hebrews chapter 12. Paul put it, I think Paul had similar struggles, different time period, but he said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. He said, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And so no matter what time period you're living at, no matter where you are in history, I would say, let's labor so that we can be accepted of God. Forget about the fact that it's 19, no, it's not 19. It's 2022. Forget about that fact. It is what it is. I'm quoting Dave Osenbach. I appreciate him saying that a couple times when I needed it. And Bill Wallace too. It is what it is. All right, look at Hebrews 12. Momentum and the influence it has, momentum in the direction we are going, and then momentum and the obstacles that take place. Look what the writer of Hebrews said. Hebrews 12.1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Notice the idea here. It's in the context of forward motion. Momentum. Moving forward. Let us lay aside every weight. And the sin which so easily besets us from going on for God. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How do you do that? Well, you don't. If you're setting aside the obstacles, you're not fixated on them. One of the biggest things that will hinder you from going forward is to get stuck somewhere in a rut. Maybe it's someone, some, something someone said to you. I've been there. Where somebody said something and I didn't get over it. And I kept thinking about it. And I kept, you know, whatever. And it, and it stopped me. How do you do that, though? Well, you've got to lay aside every weight, set aside every weight, the sin which does so easily beset us. But here's the key. How do you do that? Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, when Jesus had to go to Calvary, He had some obstacles. The Garden of Gethsemane. He struggled with what was ahead, humanly speaking. But the the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus was able to Literally, humanly, the human part of Jesus struggled, that, that wept, that sweat, blood, drops of blood, that, that whole battle that went on. He was able to work through that because of the joy that was set before Him so He could go to the cross for you, for me, and get the crown. Now, verse 3. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. That's just another way of saying looking unto Jesus. Are your eyes on the Lord right now? Are they fixed on the Lord? You are looking unto Jesus. He is our role model. He is our example. 
And literally, we are keeping our eyes focused on a living Savior. Consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Lest your momentum come to a standstill. Let me say this about momentum. You and I need to understand that it can be a big force to encourage us, to move us to the next level. But you and I are not depending on momentum. Because momentum itself will not compel us. Jesus Christ will. And you and I have to be so committed to to live through those times where the momentum goes our way and then it comes against us and it stops. Perfect example. You don't need to turn there, but in 1 Kings 19, remember Elijah. Remember the showdown on Mount Carmel. In fact, if you don't know about that story, I'd encourage you during devotions the next time you can. 1 Kings chapter 19, what a story. And actually, 1 Kings 18 is the story of the showdown. 400 prophets of Baal and Elijah challenges them to a showdown. Two altars with sacrifices and that you pray to your God, I'll pray to my God and we'll see which one is able to come down and consume the offering. And so the prophets, 400 prophets of Baal got on their prayer cloths and prayed and prayed. 400 prayed day and night. And you know what happened? Nothing. And then one man, Elijah, before he prayed, did something very peculiar. Because remember, the whole, the whole competition was whose God could consume the, the uh, offering with fire. Their God didn't do it. And Elisha wanted, I love this because it's so, he had such confidence in God. He went and had them get buckets and buckets and buckets of water to pour over the sacrifice that was to be consumed by fire. I mean, that's, I don't know if he smirked when he did that, but that man had some confidence in God. And then he prayed. Now, he didn't pray all day and all night. He didn't cut himself and get frantic like the prophets of Baal did. He just prayed. And as soon as he prayed, fire fell down from heaven, consumed the offering, consumed the water and everything that was around it. What a victory. Now talk about momentum. Can you imagine being there? Can you imagine being there and toying with the prophets of Baal and seeing that happen? And, and you know he was riding that wave for a little while. Emotionally. That's called, you know, literally that was a mountaintop experience. But it was also a mountaintop experience for him. Have you ever had them in your life? Mountaintop experiences? I mean, we want to live there, don't we? But then Jezebel found out, and don't you know it? She squelched the momentum. And she put a a bounty out. She said, "Ah, I'm going to kill that man, Elijah. And don't you know it? The very next moment, Elijah is running for his life, and he wants to die. Boy, talk about momentum stopping. See, we can't... Momentum is great and will encourage us. But you and I have to be willing to, to wait through those times. So, because the more consistent we are over time, the more 
momentum goes our way. I want to read a quote that I shared. I think I shared it at our business meeting recently about um, uh, somebody named Creeth Davis. I think it's a guy. Uh, yeah, early in his Christian life. This was his experience, and I think this is true with a lot of Christians. He said, I felt that if something spectacular was not transpiring, my faith was weakening. As a result, I missed most of what God was doing in the valleys, waiting to get back to the mountain. See, you will have mountaintop experiences. In fact, the more consistent you are, the momentum will bring you that way. But you have to be able to learn to work through the valleys. A just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know, I was thinking about, I, I preached a message um, a couple years ago, right at New Year's. It was a three-part message. Um, plans for tomorrow. Anyway, there was one message where it was basically just a message addressing the issue of suicide. And it was called um, Plans for Tomorrow. And I shared some things in there. And in that in that message, I mentioned a group of people that they have a name for, and they're found all across the world. And the name for the people is called Watchers. You ever heard of Watchers? These are people, there's, there's Watchers on the San Francisco Bridge. There's Watchers that go to Niagara Falls. There's this forest in Japan, I think it is, where for some reason people like to go there to, to commit suicide. And so in all these places it seemed to attract people that are going with the wrong momentum. And that if you've ever been in despair, whether it's for dead or anything, it is like a snowball. And here's the blessed thing about this, these watchers. For example, I, I focused on the one article that I read where... There was a, and there, there's also another bridge somewhere else in an Asian country where there's a man that ride, rode up and down the bridge, up and down the pedestrian part on his little scooter. And he did that every weekend, two days a week. Didn't get paid anything and did it for years. And what he was doing was he was looking pe- for people that were just standing looking over the edge because that's usually, that's what they're watching for. People that are in despair that are this close from taking their life. And these watchers spend their time trying to intervene. And here the study, there was a study of an article that was called, He That Hesitates Is Saved, which is kind of cute. The real saying is, he who hesitates is lost. But when it comes to people that are suicidal, studies have shown that he who hesitates is saved. The study that I shared in in this message, if you want to go back to it, has to do with, uh, the number of people that have committed suicide on the Golden Gate Bridge, and then how many were, were attempted it and survived, and then they did a follow I think there's only 20 or 30, but they did a follow-up study of the people that attempted it and survived, and most of them were able to go on with their lives and not be suicidal again. In fact, they also did in that study people that were talked down off the ledge that the majority of them were able to go on with their lives, which tells you this. That momentum, which is pushing you down, can be stopped and turned around. But you've got to give it that chance. 
and not allow that negative momentum to pull you down. I don't know what it is that, that you're going through right now, but I know the way the devil works. The Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And in James chapter 4 it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So how is momentum working in your life? And if you are so down because the momentum is going the wrong way, I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to realize that that same experience can be turned around. Just like James or Romans 6 says, As ye have yielded your members uh, unto unrighteousness, unto sin, so now yield your members unto God. And, and folks, if you and I can just turn it around and get that momentum going the right way, you and I can be conquerors for Christ by God's power. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight. Help us this morning, rather. Lord, I know that many times folks struggle with things that we are unaware of. Uh, As a pastor, Father, I've known of people that are going through things that nobody would even imagine. And if if we were only more sensitive uh, to what people are going through, sometimes we wouldn't be as harsh on them. Father, I pray for those especially that are experiencing momentum in the wrong way. They've made so many bad choices. They've gotten themselves into such a mess. And they don't believe that they can get out of it. But Lord, I'm so thankful that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. That through Jesus Christ, we can stop that negative downward momentum and get it going the other way by your grace and your power. So Lord, lift folks up out of the miry clay. Encourage their hearts. Inspire them, Lord, to to get out of the slough of despond and to begin to make the right choices. Father, help them by your grace to yield to the Spirit, to let reckon themselves to be dead indeed unto God. And Father, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Help us to press forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.